In the cinematic sea of prequels, sequels, reboots, and reimaginings, the Movie Retakes podcast considers the merits and desires for Hollywood's new takes on our beloved movie classics. Brothers Matt and Chris Sully examine the latest retake franchises, pitch their own original retake visions, and share their love for the movies that made them. This is Big Sully. And this is Matt Sully, and we are the Sully Brothers, and you have come back for another great episode of Movie Retakes, another special episode of Movie Retakes, because we're going to talk about Sean Connery. Neuf à la banque. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire you a lot, Mr... Bond. James Bond. And this is a tribute episode. We have some things that we'd like to talk about, Sean, uh, and what his movies has meant, have meant to us. Um, there's some quotes from some of his fellow actors uh, and what he has meant to them. You know, we, we'd really like to hear from you uh, in response to this episode as well. So if you haven't followed us over on Twitter, please do that at Movie Retakes. We're also on uh, YouTube, same Movie Retakes. Everywhere we're mostly Movie Retakes. So find us there, go to our website, um, and interact with us. Tell us about, you know, the Sean Connery moment or film that really meant the most to you. Uh, or if you haven't even seen much of his stuff, um, we can uh, definitely recommend a few of those films. Uh, but first, uh, I want to read something. Before an interview in 1995, Sean Connery had been mistakenly reported as dead, making worldwide news at the time, as it has now. A friend of the family called Connery's wife those years ago to offer condolences, and she replied, Dead? Oh no, he's just out playing golf. Sir Connery, who was knighted back in 2000 for services to film drama, has starred in or voiced parts for 94 various projects beginning way back in 1954, though it feels like so much more. It feels like he's always been in film. For me, he's a foundation of cinema, but Sean Connery doesn't belong to any one person or any one role. He's been a lot of different characters to a diverse set of fans, young and old. On screen, he was a suave and dangerous British government agent, a wily ex-con, a savage warrior in the psychedelic future, a king of Kafiristan, a marshal on the mining colony of Jupiter's moon, an immortal sword-fighting Spaniard, and the last living dragon. He's played Macbeth, King Arthur, Robin Hood, and of course James Bond. Every role somehow fitting, every moment on screen commanding. Officially retiring in 2006, though he came back for voice work a couple times up until eight years ago, Connery had been out of the spotlight for a long time, long enough where you just knew he wasn't returning. It was a loss for me and for moviegoers everywhere long before he actually passed, but there was a grace to his exit from fame as well as life. He left Hollywood behind rather than them leaving him. He reportedly died in his sleep at his home in the Bahamas, which sounds exactly like how he should have gone. I know he's dead, but having him preserved in the movies I love means he'll never really die. For me, he's just out playing golf. Nicely done. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, we all knew it was coming, like you said. Yeah. He kind of, when he just retired and uh, went to his home in the Bahamas, we had already lost him, but uh, we were all waiting for the day when this announcement was made, and then, then it happened. Yeah, and, you know, we're upset, but it also seems okay, you know? Like he, uh, yeah, like he'd, he'd kind of bowed out of the spotlight. He had never really been one of those people that, um, you know, sort of hammed up the fame or anything. He wasn't out trying to get, uh, you know, you're not going to see 
pictures of him on TMZ or anything like that doing wild stuff. He he was, I wouldn't call him conservative, but I, I definitely think he respected uh, his privacy or cherished his privacy. And, um, you know, he, uh, he did, a he did a lot of different stuff. And it, I said in there, it just feels like he did so much more. I was looking through the IMDb page and realizing how many of his movies I haven't seen. And yet it feels like he was in like all the big important movies. Like he just, he just always feels like he's been there the whole time. So every time you see him in a movie, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. He's, he's a great actor and um, such a presence, you know? Tell me, how did it happen for God's sake? Why does the sun come up? Hmm? Or are the stars just pinholes in the curtain of night? Who knows? What I do know is that because you were born different, men will fear you, try to drive you away. You must learn to conceal your special gift and harness your power until the time of the gathering. What gathering? When only a few of us are left, we will feel an irresistible pull towards a faraway land to fight for the prize. Well, we talked a bit about this morning when you were streaming on your Twitch channel. Mm. And um, for me, I, you know, I grew up and he was there. He was always there. And at that, when you're young, you're like, oh, this, whoever's in Hollywood will be around forever, right? You don't really put, you don't really think about an end date. And he grew. He had grown up as theater grew up, and he was huge as long as we were into movies. And then, right about the time social media was about to come along, which probably would have uh, shown us different sides of Sean Connery, he just Homer Simpson into the bushes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think it's pretty perfect, honestly. The 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 way he came up, the way he was a star, the way he exited. All like you said, it's it's perfect that he fell asleep in his sleep in the Bahamas. It's like he's just out. Still retired, just chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, some other folks um, had some things to say about his passing. Uh, here's some of their statements. Sam Neill said, Every day on set with him was an object lesson in how to act on screen. But all that charisma and power, that was utterly unique to Sean. Mm. Paul Feig said, few were cooler, few more suave, few more effortless. He showed us all how it could be done, and he thrilled and entertained us the entire time. Alec Baldwin said, I learned so much from him. He was kind to me and warm toward me, which he didn't have to be. Baldwin had complimented Connery's leather jacket on the set of Hunt for Red October, and Connery asked the wardrobe department to make an identical coat as a gift for Baldwin. And there's a... um. I watched uh, Alec Baldwin did like a Instagram video. Uh, it's like five minutes long or something where he, he talks about him. And it's, it's, it's really good. You should check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, huh. Pierce Brosnan. Sir Sean Connery, you were my greatest James Bond as a boy and as a man who became James Bond himself. You cast a long shadow of cinematic splendor that will live on forever. Hmm. George Takai said, our strongest bonds were formed by him. Nice play on words. Mm -hmm. Very <laughs> clever man. 
Josh Gad said, once in a while, there are those who break the mold and shatter the norm to become one of a kind. Kevin Smith said, he was my dad's James Bond. So dad supported Mr. Connery's career his entire life, always taking me to see any movie his favorite actor was in. I have sweet memories of watching dad watch his movie Idol. So Sean Connery's passing also feels like I'm losing my dad again. R.I.P. Dr. Jones. Hmm. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, um, this was uh, our father's, you know, bond, like, and, and collectively, like all our fathers, you know, that was their generation's mm-hmm. James Bond. So when they talked about James Bond and went back and watched the movies and stuff, it was Sean Connery for them. And, uh, you know, I, I and that uh, for we we were talking before about <clears throat> can't really remember what the first Sean Connery movie is that we saw. And so I, I know it wasn't um, any of the James Bonds. I think I saw, you know, my James Bond probably I think I might have seen Roger Moore before before Timothy Dalton, but I think I saw Roger Moore's first and then caught Sean Connery later on because you want to go back and see some of the older ones and stuff. Um, But I've definitely seen Sean Connery in other films. Like I said, he was just always there. Um, But yeah, catching catching those older ones. I really enjoyed Dr. No. You believe in living dangerously. I can see that. What do you mean? Sitting around with wet hair, you'll die of pneumonia. (laughs) Um... I, I thought that was a cool one. It's it's very um, very much an iconic. Uh, it's it's the first one, and so that makes sense. But uh, everything you kind of uh, like the parodies of of uh, you know these James Bond movies and stuff uh, that all kind of comes from Doctor No, really. Um, yeah, so that style of of it feels very comfortable, and you're like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, and then that that kind of uh, the tweet there from Kevin Smith uh, leads us into you know uh, older uh, Jones, the Doctor Jones of Indiana Jones's father, uh, which was a great great role. Like when he took that on, it was uh, uh, like like I said, every role he he does, he just he fits it. It it makes perfect sense. You're like, yeah, that's uh, that's exactly who that is, and you totally you totally get him. Um, that was a great pairing to have him and Harrison Ford on there. It's fake. So you can tell with the cross sections. No! Dad, get your stuff. We gotta get out of here. Well, I'm sorry about your head, though. But I thought you were one of them. Dad, they come in through the doors. <laughs> Good point. Uh, very entertaining. Uh, but we, we can kind of go through... Um, and talk about uh, a lot of the movies that that he's been in and his career, and um, and sort of you know pick out our favorites, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, if you go back in his on the IMDb page, his first credit, well, actually uncredited in 1954, he was an extra, and a career that spanned all the way to 2012 when he did his last voice acting. Nine, like you said, ninety-four credits. That's insanity. That's a lot. That's a I, lot of work. I can't. Yeah, that's a lot. I I can't speak to anything before nineteen. I'm looking at the list here. I think I saw part of Macbeth in school. 
that mm. came out in 1961. I think they forced us to watch that. <laughs> yeah. But it was entertaining because at that point I knew who he was, and I'm like, okay, Sean Connery's in it? I'll pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, ugh, I'd have been asleep probably. Yeah, I, I think the first in order from like year of movies that I've seen of his, uh, Longest Day I've seen, but I don't remember him having a huge part in that. That was in 1962. Same year as Dr. No. Um, so I, I think he, um, I think that was very much a, a smaller role. Dr. No was, was his big breakout. Uh, that's the, that's the first James Bond movie. And there's a note on, um, stuff I was finding about James Bond. Originally it was supposed to be, they wanted Cary Grant to play James Bond, which honestly, Cary Grant is cool. Like he's, he's a cool actor and he, he, I, he told I get it. Like I get why they would have chosen him. Like he fits that bill. He's, he's suave. Um, he would have been great with the ladies and all the, all the spy elements and stuff. And I think he did a few things that action wise, he would have, would have fit that as well. Uh, and, and n- nobody wanted Sean Connery. It was, uh, Albert Broccoli's wife who saw him in this Darby O'Gill movie, uh, years before. What year was that? Um, Oh, that's way down the list. 1959. That was, uh, yeah. And uh, she recommended him, and uh, still nobody wanted him. They thought he was too brutish or something. And uh, and then he came on, and he did Dr. No, uh, and uh, they loved him. Ian Fleming, the writer, loved him so much that he actually, in the future Bond novels, uh, he, he wrote in giving him a, a Scottish heritage to match Connery in real life. I mean, you think about that statement. That's crazy. He created this character that he had in his head for who how knows how many years before he wrote the books and then liked the actor so much that he changed the character he developed to match the actor. Yeah. So That's he, insane. he really did define uh, James Bond. Like, he is James yeah. Bond because James Bond be- became him, you know? Um and that that is pretty cool. And he did. Um, he ended up doing seven Bond movies. That's insane. I did not know that. Yeah. So he's got. If I had to guess. I would have said four or five. If I didn't know it was seven. Yeah. Uh, From Russia with Love came out in '63. Goldfinger in '64. Uh, Thunderball '65. So I mean, he was just doing one after the other. Um, you only live twice '67. I'm not actually counting here, so I don't know if I'm... Uh, and then Diamonds Are Forever in 71, and I think he came back for one more much later. Never Say Never Again, which is pretty fitting uh, because it, he took <laughs> yeah, it, it is, right? took Perfect such a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, did, uh, he did seven. Um, he started off... Seventeen thousand dollars was a salary for for Doctor No, uh, but he was a, he was a nobody, right? And then it did really well, so he actually ended up increasing his salary every time. But then uh, by the time Thunderball came out, and he made seven hundred fifty thousand, you know, which I would take. Uh, that's you know silly kind of throwaway money for actors nowadays, I guess. But uh, uh, of that caliber, especially when you're in the lead of what the fifth fourth or fifth movie um but so and in part that's one of the reasons he left the character behind but then they um we've got george lazenby after that and then they had apparently cast this guy john gavin 
who um, was in Psycho. He was like a supporting role in Psycho. Hmm. Um, and had I think they had started filming. Uh, this was for Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, but then they, uh, the studio had kind of taken a hit on with George Lazenby, um, which I know it's sacrilege, but I, I actually really enjoyed him as James Bond. I, I, that's one of my favorite Bond movies, actually, is Under Majesty's Secret Service, um, just because of the storyline. It gives him like a, a wife. Um, it it kind of rounds out uh, Bond's character a little bit more and gives him sort of some motivation for uh, revenge. And... Um, uh, but they, they're like, we we got to get Sean back. So they paid him a crazy amount of money for the time, $1.2 But Sean also worked into the deal 12.5% of the net U.S. profits. So he made, uh, and this is a Guinness record uh, with inflation, you know, uh, at the time, uh, just for that deal, having 12.5% of the U.S. profits, so uh, he made $6.7 million. Um, and what year was that? That was... Um, 19 late 1960s right yeah i think so where am i Damn i think i think we saw that video earlier today and they said with inflation that was the close uh, equivalent of 40 million dollars yeah something like that but uh wow yeah that's crazy um what's crazier skipping ahead a little bit uh, but just talking about money is the uh, one of the things that we found out was he was he was offered the role of gandalf uh, in lord of the rings and he turned it down he didn't know the story or anything, and he he didn't want to move to New Zealand or whatever. And uh, they offered him ten million per movie, and which would have been another outrageously beneficial deal for him. Nobody could have known the success of these movies, but he, they offered him fifteen percent stake in the in the uh, in the movies, and it, they're estimating it would have made four hundred and fifty million uh, from that deal. Which you know, can you imagine? Then you're just bragging. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's? I wonder what the most any one actor has ever made from film. I would think it's probably Robert Downey Jr. in the MCU because he did get a chunk of the profits as well. Oh. But even he, I don't think, came close to four hundred and fifty million dollars for three movies. Yeah, there's you, just no way. You That's don't you insane. don't find contracts like that. Like at most, I've seen no. where maybe they get like one percent or something. Uh, but usually, yeah. it's it's one percent of like. The U.S. toy sales, or some, you know, it's some offshoot of that, you know, like the paperback, any paperback novel uh, rewrite of the movie or something. But uh, to... all I can say is he clearly did better every year in his career, but really didn't reach his prime until his fifties and sixties, and that's when he could make that mad cash. I'm hoping when I cross that fifty mark, that cash starts rolling in for me. Yeah. <laughs> but other I than Sean Connery money. <laughs> From from other movies though that I've seen of his, I mean I've seen all the uh, the James Bond ones. Uh, he did Marnie, which I'm a Hitchcock fan, so I've seen most of Hitchcock's stuff. I, I remember that one being all right. Uh, the rating's pretty good on it, uh, so I'll have to watch that one again because that's also got Tippi Hedren, uh, and I like her a lot. She was in The Birds, um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go back and watch that one again because it's been a long time since I've seen that. There's a bunch of these that I honestly don't know. I don't recognize. Um, and maybe I'll go back and watch some of these. Because I, I can guarantee, even if the movie isn't that great, I bet he's good. Yeah, and it's a great way to to uh, honor him to go back and, like you said, he's, he's immortalized in these films. We never have to be without him. Hmm. But what a great way to watch his career, watch him grow up in, in cinema. 
So for me, so we've got Murder on the Orient Express. I've seen, uh, which they did a remake uh, of that, or I think they've done a couple. Uh, the Man Who Would Be King, outstanding film. I know you're going to talk about your uh, favorite uh, with mm-hmm. with him. For me, I think that might be it. And now, Shark, let me introduce you to Brother Peachy Carnahan, which is him, and Brother Daniel Dravert, which is I. The less said about our professions, the better, for we have been most things in our time. We've been all over India. We know her cities, her jungles, her jails, and her passes. And we have decided that she isn't big enough for such as we. Yes, that's what I understood the commissioner to say. Therefore, we are going away to another place where a man isn't crowded and can come into his own. We're not little men, so we're going away to be kings. Kings of Kafiristan. Oh, Kafiristan. We hear they have two and thirty idols there, so we'll be the thirty-third and thirty-fourth. It's a place of warring tribes, which is to say, a land of opportunity for such as we, who know how to train men and lead them into battle. We'll go there. We'll say to any chief we can find, do you want to vanquish your foes? Of course you'll say, go to it. We'll fight for him, make him king, then we'll subvert that king. We'll seize his royal throne and loot the country four ways from Sunday. How's that for a plan? You're both out of your minds. I love him in everything, but The Man Who Would Be King is, it's a wild movie. Uh, it's about these two British soldiers, soldiers in India, because uh, India was ruled uh, by Britain for a while. Uh, and they, uh, I think, I can't remember if they retire or if they actually um, uh, go sort of AWOL and, and, and leave their unit, but um, they end up in this place Um and I don't remember the circumstances, but it, but basically he becomes, uh, he inserts himself as king of the area. He just kind of comes in and decides he's going to be king. And it's kind of, at times it's lighthearted. There's kind of some humor there. And Michael Caine's in this with him. He's the other British soldier. So uh, obviously both of them are amazing and a great pairing. Um, but then it kind of changes over time, gets way more dramatic and... Uh, uh, he takes on the role a bit too seriously, you know, as as king and stuff. And it's just interesting. Uh, it's a cool premise. Watching that sort of transformation and stuff is pretty great. And both of them are, are really awesome in there. Uh, so we got a pretty good range from them in there. Peachy, in your opinion, have our lives been misspent? Well, that depends on uh, how you look at it. I wouldn't say the world's a better place for our having lived in it. Hardly that. Nobody's going to weep their eyes out at our demise. And who'd want them to anyway? And we haven't many good deeds to our credit. None. None to brag about. But how many men have been where we've been? And seen what we've seen? Bloody few. And that's a fact. Well, even now, I wouldn't change places with the Viceroy himself if it meant giving up my memories. Me neither. Uh, let's see what else. Bridge Too Far, I've seen that. Great Train Robbery, robbery that's a good one, I've seen that. There's some other ones that we were, we were looking at that I, I'd like to see, like this Meteor um, one, which basically sounds like Armageddon, but it's from 1979. Uh, you know, the Meteor's coming towards Earth, and they've got to collaborate with Russia to, like, um, take it out, which sounds great. Huh. I'm not familiar with that at all. Uh-uh. I have seen Outland, which another another sci-fi movie time bandits 
I've seen that. And then, of course, we got Highlander, which we covered in our Highlander episode. Greetings. I am Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, chief metallurgist to King Charles V of Spain, and I'm at your service. And we talked then about, you know, him as a presence. Like, he he comes on and there's these other, um, you know, even when he even when he goes into stuff later on with, like, um, Presidio with um, uh, Mark Harmon, Untouchables, he's got uh, um, Kevin Costner, Hunt for Red Octobers, Alec Baldwin, Sam Neill and stuff, and and these are good actors, and they're they have a lot of presence, but he always wins. Like he, he's in a scene, and you you're entranced by Sean Connery. Like he, he he takes it over, and not in a bad way. He just he's a he's a star. You know, he's a sun amongst little bitty stars. This is your captain. It is an honor to speak to you today. And I'm honored to be sailing with you on the maiden voyage of our motherland's most recent achievement. Once more, we play our dangerous game. A game of chess against our old adversary, the American Navy. For 40 years, your fathers before you and your older brothers played this game and played it well. But today, the game is different. We have the advantage. Uh, it reminds me of the heady days of Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin, when the world trembled at the sound of our rockets. Well, they will tremble again at the sound of our silence. The order is engage for silent drive. Yeah, some people just, just have that. And I, and I always wonder, too, I mean, this is a side, but uh, how many people have that but never get a chance to get in front of the camera? You mm. know, like, you're born with it or you aren't. You can learn how to act, but to have that presence... You just have to be born with it, and clearly had it. I mean, the the fact that they made him Bond in the first place was because he he commanded the room when he walked in. But he did the same in every role after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we'll we'll kind of wrap up here with the other ones that, that at least I've seen. Call out anything that you've seen that I haven't. Uh, Medicine Man, uh, Rising Sun, Wesley Snipes, um, Just Cause, First Night. I mean, he had a a pretty good string again there in the nineties. Uh, really a resurgence. Uh, Dragonheart, where he did the voice of Draco, um, which was also really cool. Um, and uh, obviously The Rock. Everybody knows him from The Rock. There are 81 hostages still up there. Yeah, like me. All right, you want to play tough? You want to play tough with me? Okay, FBI, free sucker! I'll fire. No, you won't. Throw down. You're not short. Let's find out. I could. You know. Besides, your safety's on. Good speed. Have you resolved the situation? Not yet. He's got all the guns now, sir. Like that's what it should be doing is our best Sean Connery. And honestly, I'm I'm terrible at it. <laughs> the rock. There you go. <laughs> Every time and I try, dog like, Indiana. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Those are the two lines I have. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's a bunch of there's those that I, that I haven't seen. I haven't seen Finding Forrester. Um, I haven't seen Playing by Heart. Uh, a Good Man in Africa, and these are around the same time. 
the Russia House, which I don't know why I've never seen that, uh, because if I remember right, that's got Michelle Pfeiffer. Let me open that up and check it out. Um, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer in there, and I yep. love her. She's uh, she's. I remember the cover for this one, but I don't think I ever saw it. Yeah. An expatriate British publisher unexpectedly find himself working for British intelligence to investigate people in Russia. Sure, I'm in. I mean, there's there's this stuff like uh, it, it seems like he makes good choices in movies. So I, I don't understand why I haven't seen some of these. When I look at this list, mm-hmm. I, I it's saddening one that I haven't watched them more. The ones I have seen, but honestly, I think I've seen like twenty or thirty percent of his films, and that's it. There's so many I need to watch. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, you think you know yeah. somebody's career that you've you've been, you know, seen. like I, I'm a big fan of like, well, uh, Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart, and it's probably the same. Like I, I I've I've probably only seen 20 percent of their movies, if that, which is a shame, because I know I'm gonna love them in pretty much everything. Uh, like I said, even if the movie stinks, <laughs> they're probably amazing. Uh, I've noticed a real lack of, uh, when I'm going through the Hulus and the Netflixes and all those these days, I fall into this uh, just really bad habit of just watching what's available to me without thinking, like, I should bring up an actor and go back. But there's so many movies that are not represented on those platforms. Even though we think we have access to everything, we don't. There's so many more films out there. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice to just basically have, I wonder what, but you can't like the the studios and you know they just don't collaborate that way it would be nice if there was you know pay by the actor or something like that i don't know pay by yeah. the director and you just have a a a pass to watch all of their movies that'd be great yeah i was just going to say that the the last thing i saw was uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen and i think a lot of people are um are in the same boat uh yep. as the last thing that they saw from him and it's kind of a shame because it wasn't uh, well received. I don't think it made a, 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 any money at the at the box office, and he had a horrible time on set. Apparently, um, just didn't uh, didn't collaborate well. Um, not I don't think he was the cause. I think uh, apparently the director was was more the cause. But I, I that's only speculation, so I don't know. But I really enjoyed that movie. Um, not a lot of people. Yeah, apparently are in agreement with me, but I, I think it was a lot of fun. I I got the vibe of it, you know. It wasn't supposed to be, uh, you know, he wasn't playing Macbeth, <laughs> so uh, you know, yeah, it had a lighthearted thing, and plus it was around the time when these sort of comic book mm, lighthearted fair things were really taking off. So he was a bit ahead there, I think. Um, I, there should have been more of those, honestly. I think it would have been great. Um, but yeah, you want you want to talk about what you read? Yeah, I wrote a little uh, thing. I was thinking about it beforehand, and I and I felt like uh, instead of just slapping together a couple ideas, I'd actually write out something here. Um, as a child of the '70s and '80s, it's safe to say that Sean Connery was a part of my life, whether I knew it or not. He starred in 15 films between my birth and my 10th birthday. I can't remember the first time I was aware of him or even began to realize that he was in multiple films I might know, but it had to have been a mixture of the Bond films and the classic Time Bandits, which I'd seen multiple times as a young boy, but have yet to allow myself to revisit the film as an adult. I I just, I don't know if I can watch it. I'm afraid it's going to ruin the movie for me. (laughs) Uh, Highlander, 
The Untouchables, and Presidio were released in the years following, but it was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989 that opened my eyes to the career of Sean Connery. The question of the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. If it is captured by the Nazis, the armies of darkness will march all over the face of the earth. Do you understand me? This is an obsession, Dad. I never understood it. Never. Neither did Mom. Oh, yes, she did. Only too well. Unfortunately, she kept her illness from me. Sure, I knew he had been in multiple films, but seeing him alongside Harrison Ford, who I'd known from Star Wars and the previous Indiana Jones films, and watching him steal scenes from an A-lister like Ford made me hyper-aware that Connery was more than just another actor. He was a movie star. If I had to pick one film that defined his career for me anyway, because again, I've only seen 20-30% of his films... It would be easy to say that that, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, was the movie that did it for me. But as I browsed through the filmography on IMDb, I couldn't help but return to another film repeatedly. And that is The Rock. Sure, roll your eyes at the Michael Bay explosion and 360 camera fest. But let's look at the classic for what it is. Sean Connery, when they made this film, was 65 years old. Mm. Just a few years before that. He had played an old man who, <laughs> who, who was just accidentally participating in some action in, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. But in The Rock, he's a straight-up badass. Like, you don't mess with him, right? Uh, he starred alongside Nicolas Cage and Ed Harris in the film, two amazing actors, depending on the film, uh, but once again stole every scene he was in. Uh, according to Michael Bay, the script was written much more straight and serious than the final movie, most of the humorous moments and lines were improvised during filming, including a lot of Sean Connery's lines. I don't know anything about your previous matters. I'm here because a special situation exists that we feel you might be able to help us with. Now, what might that be? I've been in jail longer than Nelson Mandela, so maybe you want me to run for president. Not exactly. My pity. And for Sean Connery, that was his second highest grossing film at more than $336 million at the box office. Again, when he was 65, when most people are retiring, he had hit his prime, his stride. And if it hadn't been for, like you just mentioned, maybe some antics on the scene of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or just the way that uh, film had gone, the behind the scenes, the way people had changed uh, over generations, God knows how many more films we might have had before he finally did retire uh, to that house in the Bahamas. But uh, over those 94 credits, uh, those two really stand out to me. And specifically, if I had to pick one to watch again right now, it would be The Rock. Yeah, I agree. Like, And I'm not a Michael Bay fan. I will dismiss stuff from him pretty much immediately. But The Rock is an exception. And I will say that it's because of him. Sean Connery, yes. even though it's a supporting role, um, he he gives the movie class, right? He, he, he brings this uh, solid presence to a movie that it is a, you know, it's a typical Michael Bay movie. Everything's moving and exploding and stuff. But there in the middle is Sean Connery. And having him there, well, he is the rock. 
<laughs> of that movie. Yeah. You know? Uh, he did a fantastic he, job. Yeah, he he grounds it in a way, brings it back to reality in, in what is so far from reality, but he's, he's, he finds a way to ground it. And it's weird. Like, you, you, even though we know him as James Bond and stuff, um, he kind of is an action star. Like, you, you think about that early, all the James Bond, yeah, okay, that's action. But then as he goes on and does other things, uh, there's a lot of drama, but th- there is a return to action uh, in a lot of this stuff. Um, I mean, there is The Last Crusade is uh, has action in the movie. Uh, the Highlanders are action movies. The Untouchables actually has action. There's drama in there as well. You said you wanted to know how to get Kaboom. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. Anytime he does come up and he gets into a fight, he he doesn't. Other than playing the old man, you know, the 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 sort of the bumbling Doctor Jones or whatever. But the rest of the time, when he goes throw a fist, you know, a punch or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, he could probably kick some butt. <laughs> yeah, it's believable. Yeah, it's absolutely. He, he didn't have to be Jean Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal. It's not that kind of action, but he's believable as someone that you wouldn't want to go up against. Yeah, yeah, and again, you know. He probably doesn't even have to throw a punch. He just comes in and says, I'm Sean Connery. And you're like, yes, sir, whatever you need. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, um, you know, I'm glad we got what we did from him. Uh, you're right. I, I would have liked to have seen dozens more uh, movies from him of all kinds. I, I honestly think he he could have been doing um these these actions the thrillers the dramas whatever we we could have had anything from him and i would have trusted him to to deliver on it uh he's one of those names that if sean connery's in the marquee you got my money um and so yeah you and i both have some homework there's a list in front of us we had to go back and watch these movies that we haven't seen uh because i'm sure they're all gems because uh sean's in there sir sean Rest in peace. We uh, we thank you for all the movies you gave us, and um, because they're part of us growing up and uh, becoming fans of movies, you know, and doing things that we do now, and, uh, like this show. Yeah. Well said. Well, thanks for coming uh, for another special of movie retakes. Uh, we are going to have probably more. Uh, specials and some format changes, as you know, the um, uh, the the cinema scene is changing, and so uh, the retakes may not be as much at the forefront anymore. Uh, but we will have those as well. The regular format. We're also going to be uh, doing the lives, which I don't know if we officially said we're going to switch over to uh, Twitch, but I think we might. And then whether or not we do. Uh, those recordings will probably make their way over to YouTube anyway. Uh, so yeah, again, follow us over there. 
And uh, as always, uh, thanks for thanks for stopping by. Nerd unite. Mm, wonderful. What did you find, Dad? Me. Illumination. And what did you find, Junior? Junior? Dad? Please, what does it always mean? This is Junior. That's his name. Henry Jones, Junior. Like Indiana. We're named the dog Indiana. May we go home now, please? The dog? <laughs> Named after the dog. <laughs> I've got a lot of fond memories of that dog. <laughs> Ready? Ready? Indy, Henry, follow me. I know the way. Ha! Got lost in his own museum, huh? Uh huh. After you, Junior. Yes, sir. Ha! Thank you.